Welcome into another bonus episode of Boys Don't Lie, the podcast. I am Owen Burke. Back again today with another edition, another bonus of our top 10 series. Today we're covering the wide receivers. I'm very excited for today's episode. Um, I think this is going to be one of the hotter ones out there. There's a lot of debate on who the best receiver in the league is. There's a lot of debate about who the top three is, where Tyreek Hill falls, where Allen Robinson falls. There's a lot of people that have been asking me a lot about the receivers. I feel like it's receivers is one of the more um, ever-changing position groups in the league. You know, sometimes like quarterbacks won't change much. You know, you have a guy hop up, a guy drop down, a, a guy shifts one or two spots at a time. You could see a guy go from top three to out of the top ten in a year. You could see a guy come from like 15 to 20 all the way up to six. Crazy things can happen at the wide receiver spot given one good year. So, with that being said, before we get to the wide receivers today, I want to talk about Simone Biles for a second. Um, I had a couple people ask me kind of what I thought of the situation or if I could talk about it. Um, I wasn't as informed on the situation as, on the situation as I should have been. Got a little ahead of myself. Um, so I, you know, did the research, looked it up, so you know, saw why she backed out or what the possible reason. She said it was for for mental health reasons, which I 100% believe, but there was some recent tension between you know, the United States gymnastics team and Simone Biles and like the Olympic committee and um whoever controls the grading at the Olympic committee um at the at the Olympics, I guess. Like, the people that deal with the judging and everything. The national team and Simone Biles had an issue with them recently. Um, I I just kind of figured out, like... I mean, obviously, Simone Biles is the leading gymnast in the world and arguably probably the biggest name going in to the 2020 Olympics this year outside of basketball. Um, when it comes to the individual sports, you know, Michael Phelps is gone. Usain Bolt's gone. So Simone Biles is kind of it, and she's only 24 years old. So she's definitely in the spotlight a lot earlier than most are there. Um, but just last year – or not last year, last Olympics, 2016 in Rio, she absolutely crushed it. I think four or five medals total, three or four golds. Um, and she's she's making rules at this point. Like the – the International Gymnastics Federation is having to create rules <laughs> or, like, create new moves. Like, there's there's a set rule book of – not rule book, but, like, moves that you do when you're coming, you know, when you're out on the floor doing a floor routine off the um, off the bar that do the stuff on. I know that's, that's kind of a key thing to forget, but off the vault and stuff like that. So they have this list, like, you know, this book of moves that, you know, that you would usually do. Simone Biles has almost a page and a half, two pages of just moves that she's created since she's, you know, become a big-time gymnast. That's absolutely ridiculous. And um, she added two moves to, to the book last last year at, or not, four years ago at the Olympics in Rio. And um, when they grade the difficulty of a move, you know, you get more points for the more difficult the move is. They graded. She added two new moves. One of them they graded a J, which is the the lowest grade you can get, the most difficult thing you could do. And she had another one I think that came back as an H. Now she had added a move before that that was it was like a seven twenty. Basically, she had a move. It was labeled as an H. She added a she added like two more twists to it, an extra two spins. The move is very dangerous. You can land on your neck and hurt yourself. They only rated it as, as a G. 
a lot of people kind of felt like the um, International Gymnastics Federation was kind of watering down her scores to discourage other competitors from trying them. Because, to be 100% real with you, the International Gymnastics Federation is correct, and so is Simone Biles. She knows that there's not a damn other... There's definitely not another woman in the world that can does what she does when it comes to gymnastics. Gymnastics. There's a lot of men that can't do what she does. Like there's, there's a move that she pulled out in the Olympic trials for this year in 2020 that no woman has ever done, and a man, I think a man has only done it like two or three times in the history of gymnastics. It's one of the hardest moves you could ever learn, and she does it with ease. Now, so that's the thing. Simone Biles is in a completely another solar system when it comes to skill level on a gymnastic floor on any part of the routine she's been the all-around gold medal champ for a reason she would have won it this year had she not backed out of the competition she's the best gymnast in the world there's not a debate about that and she talked about it after you know she felt like her scores kind of got watered down and they kind of you know, gypped her on one of the scores because obviously why put yourself at so much risk and do such a dangerous move if you're not going to get the score back for it so, you know, she had a quote. She was talking to, to NBC, and she said, Am I in a league of my own? Yes, but that doesn't mean you have to take credit. You can't credit me for what I'm doing. You know, like, uh, most women out there should know what they're capable of, and if you think you can go out there and do the things that Simone Biles does and not get hurt at all, you have a lot of confidence in yourself at one point, which isn't always a bad thing, but you have to realize the risks of what she's doing. There's a reason that no woman has ever completed that double pike move that she pulled out at the, the Olympic trials this year. It's because no one has ever been as good of a gymnast as Simone Biles is. So I, I see where she's coming from. I understand the mental health thing. That's, I mean, anybody that, that thinks she's being selfish or that she's being a snowflake or whatever you want to call it, man, mental health is always the number one most important thing at the end of the day. It does not matter what your career field is, what you do for a living, who you talk to. It doesn't matter. Your mental health is is what matters at the end of the day. That is what keeps you sane and whole as a person. That's what you have to look out for. So, I don't think Simone Biles did anything wrong. She's an incredible gym, gymnast. She's still incredibly young at 24 years old. She still has two or three Olympic Games, if not four, to her name. She's going to be around for a very, very long time. But it'll be interesting to see how her and the gymnastics, the International Gymnastics Foundation or Federation goes, how their relationship evolves. Because there definitely seems to be a kind of a tense situation brewing between them. But I, I don't know. It's definitely something to keep your eyes on. Before we get into our top 10 receiver list today, again, I said it two days ago, three days ago, depending on when you listen to this. Um, I have all the the love in the world for everyone that listens to the show. If you guys are here for the first time or this is, you know, the 15th time, whatever the case may be, I appreciate you guys so, so much. The show does not go on without you guys. Um, I could sit here and talk into a microphone for two hours, and I'm a crazy person, so it would be okay for me. I would be perfectly okay with doing that every two days, every three days, but... Having people, you know, give me feedback, telling me I do this good or I need to work on this or, hey, you should talk about this. I feel like you have a really good opinion. I kind of want to hear what you think about it. All that stuff, man, no matter what it is, it could be, I mean, you think I do this well, I don't do this well, things I need to work on, anything, man. The feedback is much, much appreciated. 
when it comes to me, Sam, or Shay, we'll take it, man. Anything that we could do to make the product better for you guys is exactly what we want at the end of the day. Um, as far as what to expect from BDL coming forward, um, by the time this bonus is out, uh, we should have uh, my tight end bonus will be up. My offensive line bonus is already up as well. Uh, our No Friends interview and our Vince Staple album review also have come out. Uh, so make sure you check in with all that stuff. Obviously, the first two segments of my top ten plus, you know, a great interview with No Friends is a Houston producer. Um, and also, obviously, Vince Staples' album review. Uh, first time we've heard music from Vince Staples in a very, very long time. So make sure you tap in with that album review. As far as coming up after today, the receiver bonus, uh, August 4th, we should have the running bonus, uh, the running back bonus out to you. That'll be our top ten list for the running backs going into this year. And quarterbacks will come on August 6th. So we're looking at the offensive side of the ball, wrapping up on August 6th for the first part of the position series. We'll move into defense um, probably mid to late August, I would say. Uh, definitely got a little bit more planning, a lot more research to do for that one. But uh, quarterbacks will come out on August 6th. Uh, we'll get an Isaiah Rashad album review out to you guys on the 9th. And a Clark County interview will be coming on August 13th. So we have a, a bunch of stuff planned. That's just leading us up into the first two weeks of August. By that time, should have all the defensive position groups lined out on what days they want to come out. And hopefully I'll have some news on my division breakdown. We'll have stuff on college football coming. I've got an NBA draft grades uh, bonus that will be coming out as well. Um, just content on top of content on top of content on top of sports content out there. If you like sports as much as I do, First of all, I want to meet you because I think only crazy people can like sports as much as I do. But if you do, I've got a ton of stuff coming for you. If you don't like sports and you're just here to give it a one-off shot, hopefully I can get you interested into watching or into listening a little bit more. But make sure you guys tap in with those uh, two interviews and the two album reviews that we've got uh, coming out here in the near future. So thank you guys for listening. Simone Biles is great. She's a great Olympian. I don't think she was selfish at all for pulling herself out of the games. I'm excited to see how her relationship with um, the Women's Technical Committee and the International Gymnastics Federation, how their relationship continues. And now we're into the top ten wide receivers list. There's all the bullet points from what we've talked about. Now let's get into the beef of the show, the reason we're here. I want to talk about my top ten receivers this year. Before, a little bit of a bonus on the bonus today, before we get into our top 10, um, I want to talk about a couple honorable mentions or a couple guys that I just feel like I want to talk about um, from a wide receiver standpoint because there's a lot of a lot of talented receivers in this league. Um, there's a pretty clear-cut six or seven that are definitely, that should be here talent-wise, maybe even eight. And then, you know, you got a lot of, you know, three or four guys that can scrape in the last two spots of the top 10. And then you have, like, 17 guys that could be from the 13 to 15 range. So there's a lot of guys to talk about. I'm going to run through some honorable mentions, and then we'll get to the top 10. So first honorable mention, um, receiver drafted last year out of Alabama, Jerry Judy, uh, the Denver Broncos. Uh, I've seen I, – I watched Jerry Judy play all last year. I've seen the off-season tape, and I mainly I saw the tape last year on the field. The offseason tape is always fun to look at, but I need to see what you can do in a game on an NFL field. Jerry Judy is a top 10 route runner in this league. Um, I may be a little bit out there saying that, but let me tell you that when it comes to route running in this league, there are few better than what Jerry, what I've seen from Jerry Judy in his young career. This kid has 
footwork. Now, he had the drops issue last year, no doubt about that, um, but that's easy to fix. It's very, very hard to become a you know, a better route runner, to become you know a not good route runner, to becoming one of the best. You can fix the drops problem. A hands problem is pretty, pretty easy to fix more time. More times than not, it's a mental fix anyway. It's not even a, a physical thing that you have to fix. Um, quarterback play is still an issue with him. Obviously, Drew Luck, we're not 100% certain what we're getting there. So he wasn't able to crack my top 10 list this year. But Jerry Judy is definitely on the rise. And if the Aaron Rodgers deal did or does ever come, Jerry Judy is definitely probably a top 10 receiver in my book. If he fixes the drops problem, obviously we haven't seen that. The season hasn't started yet. Um, another guy drafted last, uh, actually, I think Jerry Judy was two classes ago. Maybe I'm not hundred percent certain. Another guy, uh, this guy from Oklahoma plays down in Dallas, CD lamb. Um, CD lamb has all the tools. He's not as good of a route runner as Jerry Judy is, but he's still very, very, very good in, in the entire route tree. Great explosion off the ball. Um, gets out of his sets early. There's a lot of acceleration of the line of scrimmage. And you want to talk about agility and casting contested catch situations this kid just pulls off every catch in the book you look up you know you go to the dictionary of wide receiver catches you're like balls that should not be caught somehow cd lamb has caught three or four of those i've been amazed with some of the catches he's been able to make uh last year in dallas i think with a healthy deck this year a healthy o-line um is gonna help him a lot obviously having a mark cooper back 100 as well takes some attention to the other side of the field Leaves you open on more opportunities, and considering how terrible the Dallas defense is, a lot of shootout situations for the Cowboys to try to win games means a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns for CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper. So he's definitely uh, an honorable mention to me. Um, Another one, Michael Thomas, top five talent-wise, man. Mike Thomas is a a different animal, and if you think he's a slant boy, there's there's no way. I, I just I refuse to believe that. You can't tell me that a guy that's built better than Julio Jones is can only catch a, a six, seven-yard slant route. I hope they turn Jameis Winston loose in, in New Orleans. I want to see what Michael Thomas can do because I know Jameis can put the ball down the field, and Michael Thomas can be a hell of a deep threat, but I want to see it happen. Um, he's got all the tools in the world. We just got to see the plays happen at this point when it comes to Michael Thomas. Um, another one, A.J. Brown. He's uh, an animal in his rookie year. A.J. Brown's probably the best receiver out of his draft class. Better than D.K. Metcalf is. Um, absolute animal after the catch. Just impossible to bring down. Bullied Baltimore in their playoff game. Um, bring in Julio Jones. That's a top three receiver, top five receiver in the league. Um, he's going to be stealing some targets. He could still scrape into the top ten production-wise, but I just I find it hard to see him and Julio both up there that high so that's why aj brown kind of slips out justin jefferson fantastic rookie year um expecting a little bit of a drop off honestly that's the majority of time whenever whenever a rookie comes out and has an amazing year you're like oh that's rookie of the year that's the best rookie receiver you know receiver year we've seen in a very long time it's very 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 hard to follow that up so i'm expecting a little bit of a drop off also even if you think there's going to be no drop off and he takes a step forward he was scraping in at 11 or 10 last year's receivers list anyways um, uh, and the last honorable mention before I get into my list, Mike Evans, Mr. Consistency, um, has played in the, the league for seven, eight years and has had a thousand receiving yards in all of them. Uh, he's great. Tom Brady's a great quarterback. I just have a certain feeling about the 10 guys in front of him. That's what it, that's what it boils down to when, it, especially when you look at the guys that are left off this list, 
I just there's nothing wrong with the game. I love the game. I'd love to add any of those guys to any team would be happy to have any of those five guys on their team. But there's something different about the ten guys in front of them. That's why they 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 fell out and those five guys made it in. So that's gonna do it for the honorable mentions. We're gonna move in to the top ten list itself now. Starting with a little bit of a heater at number ten. I'm going to go with the Carolina Panthers' DJ Moore at 10 on my receivers list. Now, skill alone, DJ Moore's not top 10. Um, he's been a criminally underrated his entire career. He's a, a a dog in fantasy football usually, and he plays well in in on the field as well, outside of fantasy, but has just never had the quarterback that really has pushed him over the edge of that top 10. I've been a big Sam Donald believer for a long time. I think a lot of the issues that Sam Darnold had in New York started and ended with his head coach and Adam Gase. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Sam Darnold is the next Tom Brady, but I still think there's a lot of potential uh, in the kid from USC. I think you have CMC. We have Robbie Anderson. I have DJ Moore. I like Carolina's offense this year. I really do. Now, I could look like an idiot by the time the year's over, and I probably will. I mean, it's, if it's not about Carolina's offense, it'll be about somebody else. But I, I like Carolina's offense. I think DJ Moore has a breakout year. I think you almost look at it like an offensive player of the year type type season from uh, DJ Moore. And Sam Darnold, I think, is going to work out in Carolina. Number nine on my list, uh, Keenan Allen is another guy that could be at five, could be at six. A lot of people put him in the seven range. There's just so many good receivers in the league today, man. The contested catching is great. He's always been underrated, but... When you come out and try to tell me that you're a better receiver than Tyreek Hill, it dings your it dings your draft stock a little bit to me. Like, you are extremely good, Keenan Allen. You are an animal. You're an absolute beast in contested catch situations. You're a good route runner. You have great hands. He's a deep threat while also being good over the middle of the field. But you are not as good as Tyreek Hill. Let's pump the brakes. Eight on my list, I have Calvin Ridley. Another great route runner and uh, down in Atlanta. His production has spiked in the last two to three years. Uh, defense has started to key in on Julio Jones a lot. Left Calvin Ridley open a lot of the times, and he reaped the rewards. Matt Ryan is still a top 15 quarterback in this league. If you don't think he is talent-wise, he definitely is statistically. And Calvin Ridley has been his number one option the last two to three years. Julio Jones is off the team. Kyle Pitts is my second option. You just can't ignore the production that Calvin Ridley brings to your football team. This guy is going to catch a lot of passes. He's going to catch a lot of touchdowns. And he's going to be a main catalyst for your offense when it comes to your receiving core. So, um, number seven on my list. Another guy that has been criminally underrated, but I almost think is being overrated at this point. I have, an Al- I have Allen Robinson the third. Definitely could be higher on this list. The quarterback play is a little bit of an issue. They say they're rolling with Dalton. I love Justin Fields. I, as much as I love Justin Fields, I don't know how well he's going to play. Um, I'm excited to see that connection grow. Hopefully that becomes a, a dangerous quarterback-wide receiver duo to watch for the next three to five years. But uh, Allen Robinson is the best contested catch receiver in the game. I mean, on on any contested catch play, he has the highest success rate on contested catches. And you know how I was talking about um, – who was I talking about? CeeDee Lamb making you know all the catches in the world that you shouldn't, Allen Robinson is the master of the category. 
CeeDee Lamb is learning how to do it. He's done four or five of those. You should never be able to catch this pass in that book. Allen Robinson's done every single one of them. Allen Robinson has consistently been a top 15, top 10 receiver in the league, despite having Blake Bortles and Mitchell Trubisky as his top two quarterback options for his entire career. No matter how good Justin Fields is, he is already the best receiver that Allen Robinson is the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever had in his career. And I, I firmly believe that. No matter how good or bad Justin Fields is, I don't see him being him being any worse than Mitchell Trubisky or Blake Bortles. So uh, to recap real quick, number 10, I had DJ Moore. Number 9 is Keenan Allen. Calvin Ridley falls at 8. Allen Robinson scrapes in at 7. Here's another guy. Coming at six, I, I had him flipped with uh, with Allen Robinson originally. Had Allen Robinson higher, but I really believe that this guy is going to have a monster year. He was on a pace for an absolutely ridiculous year. To relate it back to fantasy football, this receiver through four games, just based off yardage alone, if he were to not catch a single touchdown from weeks five through 17, would have still been the fourth best receiver in fantasy football just off yardage alone. That guy's Amari Cooper on the Dallas Cowboys. Um, Dak going down severely, severely hurt his production. But this is another guy that is an absolute maestro with his feet. One of the better route runners in the game. It's a good deep threat while still being able to you know, make those tough catches over the middle with a linebacker in his face. Healthy Dak. I've got CeeDee Lamb. So you know, defense might be a little bit more scared to come double me at this point since I have such a talented number two. And I even have Michael Gallup as the third receiver. I've got a lot of talent in the receiving room. Maybe the defense can't key on me in a one-on-one situation. Amari Cooper's working a majority of the corners in the league. I think his quarterback is better than Allen Robinson's. I think that's kind of what slid him up the list, in my opinion. I'm expecting huge things out of Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott in Dallas's offense this year. Uh, into the top five. Number five on my list, going into his second year in Buffalo with the Bills, Stephon Diggs uh, had a great year with Josh Allen last year. Um, put up some of the best receiving numbers of all in recent history. And um, again, another maestro with the feet, man. Stephon Diggs is a different type of route runner. Definitely a top five route runner in my opinion. Um but when it comes to the top four, man, there's just a talent gap that you have to hit. And regardless of the production and how good he and Josh Allen were, I'm expecting a little bit of a downstep. Like I said, it's very, very hard to have a breakout year and such a really, oh, this was such a really good year for us. And then to follow it up and even be just as good, let alone better, is almost nearly unheard of. It doesn't happen often. Um, and when it comes to this top four, like I said, there's a skill gap. There is a. I know how good this guy is, regardless of the production that I get, and that's what this top four is. Um, if if I had to put another guy that was top five, when it comes to talent wise, top five in this league, in no particular order, Devonte Adams, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins, Tyree Kill, and Michael Thomas are the five most talented receivers in the league. Those are my top five guys. When it comes to this is the receiver that I'm getting, regardless of production, regardless of who the quarterback is. These are my top five guys in the league. It's those five. At four on my list, the speed king himself, the cheetah, Tyreek Hill. Um, he is better than Stephon Diggs. Let's, let's clear that up. Stephon Diggs, I don't care how good of a year you had in Buffalo. It was a great year. Congrats. Pat yourself on the back. You lost in the playoffs just like Baltimore did. It is what it is. Um... 
when it comes to Stephon Diggs, that one good year is not going to put you over Tyreek Hill in my book. I don't care. Tyreek Hill is not as good of a route runner, but still very, very good. Tyreek Hill falls in the 5-10 to 10 category of route runners probably, if not scraping the 5 spot. He's less of a route runner than Stephon Diggs is, but I think he's got better hands and he obviously has better speed. Um, for anyone that thinks Tyreek Hill is only good because he plays in Kansas City or he's only good because he play because he's fast, I I don't underst- I don't even know where to start with you guys. If you think that Tyreek Hill is only good because he plays with Patrick Mahomes, you're wrong. If you think Tyreek Hill is only good because he's fast, you're wrong. Here are the two reasons why. If you think Tyreek Hill is only good because he runs a 4-3, that makes no sense because we've seen countless countless speedster receivers that get taken in the first round or the second round that don't do absolutely anything in the NFL. John John Ross ran a 4-3, and he struggled in Cincinnati before somehow landing a $20 million contract with the Giants. Let's be real here. New York will pay anyone. Who cares? John Ross has struggled. Henry Ruggs was the first receiver off the board in his class. I just talked about Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb. You didn't hear me mention Henry Ruggs once. He's out in Oakland being a speedster doing absolutely nothing. Um, you look at a guy like DeAnthony Thomas, I would even talk about, um, was a receiver slash running back coming out of college, coming out of Oregon, was known as the most electrifying man in football at one point. Has he was a punt returner on the chiefs and the Ravens was the most notable things about his career. And the only reason those are notable to me is because I live in Kansas and I'm a Ravens fan. So speed doesn't, doesn't win you the cake when it comes to the receiver category. It definitely helps. It definitely helps when you can just absolutely burn everyone by 15 yards on your way to the end zone. Never hurts at all, whether you have that breakout speed before you have the ball in your hands or afterwards. But does Tyreek Hill benefit from having Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback? Absolutely, any speedster would. You throw Tyreek Hill in Philly, he's not as good, but he's definitely still as he's still very, very good. Still a top 10 receiver. His route running allows him to be good when you don't have a cannon. But when you have a guy that can sling it 80 yards down the field, and you have a guy that can run 80 yards faster than anybody else in the league, yeah, that's definitely going to help your production out quite a bit as well. And like I said, that also covers the other point. If you think he's only good because he plays with Patrick Mahomes, you're wrong. This guy is an elite route runner. He can get open over the middle of the field. We've seen it time and time again. He can get open in the 20 to 30 yard range and then create space and create plays with his feet after he gets the ball in his hands. But anytime you have a quarterback that can throw the ball 60 to 70 yards down the field accurately, it's definitely going to add another dimension to your game when you're a speedster. You look at a guy like Torrey Smith who didn't do anything in the NFL outside of Baltimore. Why do you think he was so successful in Baltimore? Because back in 2012, Joe Flacco had the best deep ball in the game. And you could debate me on that, but that's just a statement of fact. Nobody put the ball better down the field at 60 to 70 yards than Joe Flacco did in 2012. Torrey Smith reaped the benefits, decided to go and play in Philly with, I don't even remember who Philly's quarterback was at the time, didn't do anything. If you're a speedster receiver and you make your living off speed, you can't play without a big arm quarterback. Now, if Tyreek Hill ends up on another team, say he played in Philly right now and he wasn't good, I guess I overstated his route running. He's not as good as I thought, but I don't think that would be the case. I think Tyreek Hill succeeds anywhere he's at in the league. Obviously, the speed helps, but his route running and his hands also benefit largely to why he falls at four on this list. Into the top three. These guys, to me, have been and are the top three receivers right now. There is no other names that should fall in this top three. The order can vary. 
It is a pick-and-choose situation. Pick your poison, whatever you want to do. I have a hard time believing if you think my third guy is the best. It definitely should be one of the top two guys, in my opinion. But like I said, as long as these guys are in your top three, you're doing pretty good. My number three, the guy that I have three on my list, landed on a new team in this offseason. We'll be playing with Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee this year. I have Julio Jones at three. Um, widely regarded as the best receiver of the 2010s. Um, has been the best receiver in the league for five or six years now. The crown is no longer there. It has less to do with Julio Jones than more to do with the guys that are playing around him. He's still very, very talented. I don't think he's the best receiver in the league anymore, but talent-wise, it's definitely still there. Ryan Tannehill is an extremely underrated quarterback. We'll see if they can bounce back from losing Arthur Smith to Atlanta um, coaching-wise. But Julio Jones definitely still has the talent to be a top-three receiver. This guy is still an animal. He's not as good as you remember, but he's pretty damn good still nonetheless. And like I said, him falling to three has less to do with how good or bad he is, and it has more to do with how good these other two guys are. These other two guys just cannot be ignored at this point. You know, I you can you can ignore the production and what a guy's doing for so long and, and continue to keep Julio at the one spot. Eventually, you've got to open your eyes, realize he's only sitting at the top of your list because he's been there the five years before that. you got to move him down. Two on my list, a guy I feel like has passed him, Devontae Adams. I think a lot of people will be upset with that. I feel like a majority of people in this world think Julio Jones or Devontae Adams are the two guys that are the best receivers in the league. I've got him sitting at two and three. Uh, Devontae has been extremely underrated his entire career, has had great years in Green Bay before he got the media recognition he deserved this last year. He had the best receiving year of any receiver in 2020. Um he is one of, if not the best, route runner in the league. Combined with his frame and the the real bond and connection he has with Aaron Rodgers, who is a top three quarterback in this league, makes Devontae Adams one of the most, if not the most, dangerous receiver in the set. Um, when Aaron Rodgers is throwing this guy the ball, he is probably the best receiver in the game. He does it all. He is a dangerous threat. But that being said... You know, you look at these top four quarterback, these top four receive these top five receivers, even top six. I could even say I'm not going to say seven because Allen Robinson doesn't apply. The top six receivers all have top ten quarterbacks. You you look at Amari Cooper as Dak, who I think is seven or eight on the list in quarterbacks. Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen's top five, top seven, depending on where you put him at. Tyree Kill has the best quarterback in the game. Ryan Tannehill, I think, should be a part of your top ten list. If he's not a part of your top ten list talent-wise, statistically, Ryan Tannehill has been a top five quarterback the last two or three years in the league. You could d- deny me all you want. You could say I'm crazy. I, that's, not, that's not how I feel about him. That's what the numbers say. Ryan Tannehill has been a top five quarterback the last two years, according to the numbers. Um, Devontae Adams has Aaron Rodgers, who's been a top five, if not a top three, top two quarterback his entire career. And then you have this guy who falls at one, who his quarterback is borderline top ten, a guy that I think will probably make my top ten quarterback-wise. Out in Arizona, I have DeAndre Hopkins at my one spot. Um, the reason I have DeHop in my one spot, I've had DeHop as the best receiver in the league for four years now. Um, I've been a big, big fan and big believer of DeAndre Hopkins ever since he was in Houston. Um, the The reason that I have DeAndre Hopkins where I have him is the ability to still create offense while not having, not only not having a top quarterback in the game, but having different quarterbacks week in, week out. Um, in the years 
it was probably around 2015 when I was like, all right, I think DeAndre Hopkins is the best receiver in the league. And I'll tell you why. In those two years, in the 2014-15 and the 15-16 season, um, he amassed uh, 2,731 yards and 17 touchdowns. Now, granted, there were receivers that were ahead of him at the time. Um, you got you look at um, I'm trying to think who the top receivers were back in that day. Probably a guy like Antonio Brown, Julio Jones, obviously. Maybe Demarius Thomas was very very good at the time. Odell Beckham. Um, but D-Hop was still, you know, considered a top 10 receiver at the time. Was putting up top 10, top 12 numbers. Um, the thing that sticks out about these 2,700 yards and these 17 touchdowns were who his quarterbacks were during those 32 games. Um, in, in two seasons and 16 games apiece, the, the quarterbacks that, that he gathered 2,700 receiving yards from were 12 games of Ryan Fitzpatrick, 9 games of Brian Hoyer, 6 games from Ryan Mallett, 2 games from TJ Yates, and 1 game from Brandon Whedon. That is a total of 5 quarterbacks in 2 years, and he still was able to put up top 10 numbers during those times. Very impressive. That's when I kind of started to hop on the train. I was like, man, this guy is good. I mean, he's got the frame for it. He's a deep threat, still big enough to take the hits over the middle. I now, definitely now, I thought it back then, but definitely now, DeAndre Hopkins has the best hands in the league. If you want to you want to put Devontae Adams at one, cool, whatever. I don't I don't have an issue. You want you want to stick with Julio at one, you want to put D Hop at three, cool, whatever. DeAndre Hopkins has the best hands in the NFL. It is not a debate when it comes to things you should catch, things you shouldn't catch, things that shouldn't have been thrown, whatever the case may be, DeAndre Hopkins has the best hands in the nfl the the year that i cemented it now 2014 2015 i was starting to feel it i was kind of under the radar about it you know you don't want to be the kid that kind of gets clowned for having the out there sports opinion at the time 2017 is like all right i don't even care i was like this is this is how i feel and i'm not gonna mince the words about it anymore because this guy is on another fucking planet deandre hopkins in 2017 was fourth in the league in receiving yards, and he led the league in touchdowns in 2017. During the 2017 year, the Houston Texans played Tom Savage as their starting quarterback for seven games, Deshaun Watson for six, and TJ Yates for three. This guy had three different quarterbacks, a young Deshaun Watson who was unproven at the time for six games, Tom Savage who was a career backup and nothing more for seven, and TJ Yates who was kind of a a sleeper at the time in, in Houston. He won him a playoff game, but still nonetheless... Nowhere near to the level of a of an MVP Matt Ryan that Julio had, Aaron Rodgers that Devontae Adams had, Tyreek Hill's got Patty. You know, all these guys have top 10 quarterbacks. This guy was fourth in the league in receiving yards. The In the time that Antonio Brown was running things with Big Ben throwing, prime Big Ben throwing in the ball, this guy was fourth in the league in receiving yards and had the most touchdowns with three different quarterbacks for an NFL season. DeAndre Hopkins produces regardless of who throws him the ball. This guy has had stretches where he he has put up top 10 numbers at the receiving position while having all of these guys throw him the ball. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian Hoyer, Ryan Mallett, TJ Yates, Brandon Whedon, Deshaun Watson, Tom Savage, Brock Osweiler, 
And there's another name that I forget. That's nine quarterbacks that this guy is consistently. He's played in the year, the league for seven or eight years now. He has not had a thousand yards in two seasons. His rookie year, he hit 850, and then he capped a thousand for two years, and then in one year he had like 980 yards. He just fell short of it. And then the last four years, he's had a thousand yards in every single one of them. Um, I, I've like I said, I've been a big believer in DeAndre Hopkins for a very long time. So you can disagree, agree, whatever you want. Uh, that's my number one receiver. Uh, to recap the whole list as a whole, um, whole list as a whole. Um, <laughs> Ten on my list. I have DJ Moore uh, out in Carolina. Uh, Keenan Allen at nine. Calvin Ridley at eight. Uh, seven is Allen Robinson. Six is Amari Cooper. Stephon Diggs falls at five. Tyree Kill at four. Julio Jones at three. Devonte Adams at two. And the kingpin of them all, DeAndre Hopkins, is my best receiver in the league going into the 2021 NFL season. That is going to do it for today's bonus episode of BDL, the Top 10 Receiver Edition. Make sure you guys keep your eyes out. Uh, We've got an album review and an interview that's came out in the last week. We've got another album review and an interview coming out in the next two weeks. I've got two more installments of the Top 10 bonus on the offensive side with the running backs and the quarterbacks left. A lot of content coming. More interviews are being scheduled as as we speak, as I record every single day. It feels like we've got a new guy that's interested in interviewing, whether it's a football player, a basketball player, a rapper, producer. We do it all. We talk to them all. We give you guys what you want to hear. So if you want to hear anything specific, make sure you hit us up on social media. Owen underscore Burke, B-E-R-K on Twitter. uh, A-U-H-S-H-A-Y-L. And rarefied footage for Sam, man. Tweet at us, DM us, whatever it is, man. You can send the, the criticism to whoever you're trying to criticize or, you know, to talk to. Or if you don't feel comfortable going straight to someone, then you can go through me, go through Shay, you know, vice versa, whoever you're trying to talk to about who else. Um, we love the feedback, man. Like I said, the show does not happen without you guys. Um, and every time I get a message or I get a any feedback, like I said, I said it earlier, whether it's good, bad, negative, positive, things I should work on, things, just topics to talk about, man. It makes the show better. So if you have fan questions, keep sending them in. Um, I've talked about Aaron Rodgers and Simone Biles so far just because those were kind of breaking news. So if you have any fan questions, send them in, man. We'll get them. Hopefully uh, we can get them on the next couple bonuses as they come out. If not, I'll make sure they're on the defensive half. You know, We'll start stacking them up and make sure I have one or two questions uh, for each of the defensive lists when they come out here in the next two to three weeks. So that's going to do it for me here on this bonus of BDL. We'll see you guys soon.